This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When I met you in the summer. Equity Minds. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to the Equity Mate Summer Series, proudly brought to you by Sharesies. Over 12 episodes, we're deep diving into some of the most exciting, interesting, well known companies from Australia and the US. Each episode, we're also joined by an expert to help us unpack the key metrics, the bull case, and the bear case for each company. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. I am excited for this episode. It is a fascinating company and one that will make us hungry. Lucky we've just had lunch. We are talking about Chipotle. <laughs> Chipotle, yes. Or as you call it, Chipotle. Chipotle, Chipotle, <laughs> Chipotle, whatever. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> uh, whatever. Australia's Guzman, that's what we're Whatever. <laughs> no. <laughs> Have you had Chipotle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Australia's Guzman. It's... Fast, I casual mess. Be- I think Guzman's better. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm not making a judgment call about one being better than the other. I'm just saying like very similar food offerings similar and formats. concept. <laughs> oh, I feel like you're really splitting hairs here. All right. Get ready for a very testy episode of Equity Mate Summer Series. <laughs> yes, Equity Mate Summer Series is proudly supported by Sharesies. And uh, there are a couple of reasons that we really get around Sharesies. The first is that you can invest with no minimum. You can buy shares or portions of shares on the Sharesies platform for just one cent. And couple that with the ability to auto invest, and you are getting into the markets incredibly easily. Yeah, It's accessible. You get access to Australian markets, US and New Zealand, and you can dollar cost average your heart to your heart's content. How good. Auto invest. How good. It used to be that brokerage cost you as much as Chipotle charge for guac. <laughs> now it's as much as Chipotle charge you for 
some extra coriander. Yeah, well, let's not, <laughs> let's not get caught on the technicalities, but you can get started. Uh, if you want to get started investing with Sharesies, use the code GROW when you sign up to the Sharesies platform for $10 into your account ready to invest. Promotion T's and C's apply. Now, this code is not Equitymate specific. It's publicly available to anyone and we don't get any kickbacks from it. It's just for you if you want to get invested with Sharesies. So head to sharesies.com.au to learn more or download the Sharesies app today. And a reminder, we are not licensed. We are not aware of your personal circumstances. All information on the show is education and entertainment purposes only. Do not take investing advice from a podcast. We do have an expert in the second half of this episode. Emma Henderson from Magellan will be um, joining us in the studio to help us unpack uh, the metrics, bull case and bear case for Chipotle. Chipotle, in one sentence, what have we got? I'll give it to you in two words. America's Guzman. (laughs) Fair call. (laughs) No, it's a chain of fast, casual Mexican restaurants. Okay. America's Guzman, yeah. I guess. And we've, we've both tried. Started in 1993 in Colorado. There you go. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have you thought obviously Colorado. haven't read that part of the document <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah, started in where, what? Where did you think it would have started? A bit closer to the border, yeah. Wrong. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah, so Steve Ells, he's the guy that started it. He originally planned to use funds from Chipotle to open a fine dining restaurant, calculated he would need to sell 107 burritos a day to be profitable. After one month, he was selling over 1,000 burritos a day. Great story. Pretty epic that he started with one store and grew it into the giant that it is today. Let's not kid ourselves that it's not quite a rags to riches bootstrap story that you might see on some media. He got an $85,000 loan from his dad and then his dad invested another 1.5 mil. Must be nice. Must Rags be nice. to riches, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, still, a lot of people take loans and investments and don't turn it into uh, the success of oh, yeah, don't Chipotle. Get me wrong. So he's done Epic incredibly story. well. Epic story. I guess then the question is, Ren, did he sack the idea of starting his fine dine restaurants? No, Chipotle is a, is a chain of fine dining <laughs> restaurants. Yeah, he sacked yeah, it. Yeah, he sacked um, it. <laughs> by 1998, so five years after launching, he had 16 restaurants, still all in Colorado, and McDonald's became an investor and mm. it exploded. By 2006, it IPO'd. It was a hot IPO. Uh, in 2006, Macca's actually sold out. So when Macca's invested, 98, 16 stores, 16 restaurants. Eight years later, IPO'd, Macca's sell their shares, 500 locations. Wow. Macca's turned $360 million into $1.5 billion. <laughs> Who sells French fries? Who needs to sell French fries? <laughs> Love to see that. And by 2015, Ren, it had more than 2,000 stores. So an incredible expansion story yeah. over, what, 20 years or so or, or a bit more. And now it's got about 3,000 stores. Just keeps on growing. Just keeps on growing. Wow. Do you reckon Mac is a kicking themselves? I don't know. Good question. Nah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nah. they're doing all right. Yeah, they've gone all right. In 2020, Steve Ells broke all ties with the company. He was replaced as CEO in 2018 and in 2020 he resigned as chairman and left the board. They've also left Colorado and now they're based in California. There's two things that we want to talk about when we talk about history before we really get into what the company is today. Health scares because if you were an investor in like the mid-2010s and looking at America, that's probably what you think about when you think about Mm, Chipotle. mm. And then other concepts. 
Let's start with other concepts. Sure. So Chipotle has tried to launch uh, other restaurant concepts and you could say without a lot of success. You could say because it's true. <laughs> Soul Daddy. I'd yeah. never heard of it, obviously, because it closed within eight weeks. Closed within eight <laughs> weeks. Now, the backstory for Soul Daddy, there was a TV show, America's Next Great Restaurant or something like that. I think that's what it's called. Or like America's, yeah, America's Next Great Restaurant. Soul Daddy won that competition. Steve Ells was a judge. They launched it. Close within eight weeks. I mean, surely you do a bit more due diligence around that. What surely, was it? Surely there's enough post-TV show buzz to, to last a couple of months at least. What, what channel was it on? What, what food was it? Focus on soul food-centred yeah, like, menu. Yeah, uh, like, like uh, soups and stuff. Like soul food? No, like American soul food, like from the South. Oh, okay. Not like, not like chicken <laughs> Good for soup your soul. for the soul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, soul food-centred menu. Okay, anyway, that's dead, dead in the water. <laughs> <laughs> See, founded 2nd of May 2008, ceased operations. Oh, I think it last, yeah, 28th of June 2011. Heartbreaking. The next one, next spin-off friend they had was Shophouse <laughs> Southeast Asian Kitchen. Opened in 2011. Lasted a little longer than eight weeks, but it did close six years later in 2017. Yeah, Southeast Asian Kitchen. You can imagine what that is. Thai, yes. Malaysian, Indonesian. Good food. Chipotle, not in Chipotle's core competency, though. Tasty Made Burger Restaurant was the next one. Yeah. Awful name. <laughs> Opened in 2016, closed two years later, 2018. Now, there's one that is still operating. Jeez. Pizzeria Locale. Uh, partnership, so they were also, well, they still are, I think, a Colorado restaurant. Kind of like the Macca's story. You know how the original Macca's, wasn't owned by McDonald's and then Ray Kroc like got the rights to expand it. Yeah. Similar story here. The original pizzeria locale is in Colorado. They're still running their business, but Chipotle got the rights to expand it and franchise it. Uh, Started in 2013, I believe still operating. Not sure how big or how many. There you go. Yeah. But Chipotle is a company that has expanded the concept and it hasn't really worked. Well, not even really expand the concept, just try and launch new sorry, restaurants. Sorry, yeah, expand the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stick uh, to what you not know. Not expand the concept, just launch new Just start new businesses, yeah. Just keep slinging guac. <laughs> exactly. So that's the the uh, the new concepts, Ren. But what about the healthcare side of the healthcare? The health yeah, scares. hospitals. <laughs> we'll get you sick with our burritos <laughs> and we'll treat you. <laughs> the health scares side of things because it, uh, it was quite significant at one point. Massive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so much so that it could have ended the business. So 2015 was the year that we were living together in Cockle Street. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember that was when we were first sort of getting into investing. And I remember listening to a couple of American investing podcasts and this was big at the time. This this is how I think about Chipotle still. Great. (laughs) What happened? They've had a number of health outbreaks. So it didn't start in 2015. They had a hepatitis outbreak in 2008 in San Diego, California. And also in 2008, they had a norovirus, N-O-R-O, norovirus outbreak in Kent, Ohio. Then fast forward to 2015, it was a tough year. In July, they had an E. coli outbreak in Seattle, Washington. August, they had a neurovirus outbreak in California. Also in August, a salmonella outbreak in Minnesota. October, E. coli in both Washington and Oregon. November, they had more E. coli in Kansas and also in Oklahoma. December, 
they had neurovirus in Massachusetts, including 80 students from Boston College getting sick from a single Chipotle <laughs> restaurant. As if the FDA doesn't walk in and go, guys, you've had an absolute shocker of a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're you out. Sort this out. <laughs> You're out. <laughs> um, you know, we joke about it now all these years later, but that's like get shut down territory. That was 2015. I'm just looking at the share price during that period. So it was from the start of 2015. No, it's from about middle of the year. Okay, so mid-year 2015. Yeah, okay, so June it bombed. Yeah, August it seemed like it really tanked, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was only down about 20% to the start of Jan from mid-2015. So, But I think this is the story. Not because a tanking. It's not like people stop buying burritos. Yeah. Chipotle is like was a, is and was and is a phenomenon. Like people love the food. It's just like. You take the E. coli gamble. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. And, and this, yeah, you say it's, um, I mean, this stock appears in some of the biggest investors' portfolios around the world, most notably old mate. Um, Bill Ackman. Bill Ackman, yeah. He, that he, he, yeah, he loves this stock. Does he? Yeah, yeah. Because he, he loves restaurant brands as well. Yeah, yeah, it's in here. In February 2016, Chipotle closed all their restaurants uh, nationwide for a few hours for an all-staff meeting on food safety. <laughs> and things did start to turn around, but it didn't quite get there. July 2017, another neurovirus outbreak in Virginia. Chipotle's stock dropped 10%. Uh, in July 2018, Clostridium... Perfringas. Another food issue. <laughs> Perfringans. No Perfringans. Perfringans. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm sure the people that got sick cared. Perfringans. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, and look, that that was a key reason why Steve Ells got the, got flick the flick in yeah. the end because the there was just too many issues. And so he left as CEO in 2018 and got replaced. I think it was the ex-Taco Bell CEO which some people were like, mm, Chipotle's trying to do be the opposite of Taco Bell, but also people were like, well, this is someone that's run a nationwide thousand-odd store food franchise. Mm. And it seems like they've got their food safety issues under control. Well, I mean, you'd, Touch wood. you'd hope so. They've had 20 years to sort it out. So one of the major differences between th- this sort of fast food well, between Chipotle and many other fast food restaurant chains is the ownership structure. It's not a franchise. Yes. It is wholly owned by the parent company. Yeah. So what that means is you go to a Macca's around here and chances are, well, anywhere in the world really, chances are it's a local investor that owns the Macca's and McDonald's, the parent company, owns the system. Mm. They own the branding, they set the menu, they do a lot of the marketing. But, you know, it's local investors that buy the lo- the rights to do local Maccas and make the revenue and they just share a percentage of their revenue back to the parent company. Mm. Bryce often tells me about the guy that owns the Maccas in Wagga who had a Ferrari and his <laughs> kid had a Ferrari. Yeah. Good business, owning five Maccas. Five Maccas. Owned five Maccas. Yeah. Maccas Baron. Yeah, big time. But there's no Chipotle Barons over in the US except for Steve L's because Chipotle owns and operates all those stores. It's not like there's franchisees running around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, primarily located in the States, Canada, UK, France and Germany. I don't think there's one in Australia. No, there's not. Yeah. I um, mean, Guzman's too strong. Good, yeah. and, and ex- Guzman has gone to the US expand, though, yeah, so expa- cop that, yeah. Steve L's. <laughs> Expansion plans in, in the States. Well, actually are expanding with drive-through Mexican as well. Yeah, now that's a really 
really interesting point. So Stephen Marks, the founder, CEO of Guzman, who we've had on the show before, go and listen to it. It is an epic interview. Got Bryce and I super jacked about Guzman. I know. Um, just about like, we walked out like... Just about entrepreneurship, really. How can we invest? I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he is bullish on drive-through, mm. fast, fast casual Mexican. Maccas, when they invested in Chipotle in 98, tried to convince them to do drive-through and they said no. There you go. So 20 years later... Who's right? I've never done drive-through Guzman. Have you? I don't know. Because no. it, is, it is in yeah, Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a thing. Um, so anyway, we will see. But yeah, going head to head over in the big market. Love to see it. Well, Ren, let's take a look at the numbers. Market cap of $42 billion. The stock is down 10% year to date. Um, so you, you would could say it's outperformed the market. It is up 393% over the past five years, though, pumping out $7.5 billion in revenue, up from $3.9 billion five years ago increase of 92% in revenue over the past five years. And they are profitable, $653 million in profit, up from $23 million five years ago. So seriously churning out profit. That's an increase of 2,700% in their profit number in the past five years. So no wonder some of the world's biggest investors are getting around Chipotle. If you have a look at the, the chart from 2017, it kind of bottoms out in, in 2018 and then it just tears, mm, absolutely mm. tears. So, yeah. Now, in terms of competition and the industry and where the company sees its future, I mean, more Mexican restaurants expanding overseas, probably, hopefully, the new leadership isn't going to try and do different concepts. If I was an investor, food, if I was an investor in Chipotle, I would say just do Mexican and do it well. Yeah, I don't worry that, about. Surely they figured that out. Well, they've still got Pizzeria Locale. <laughs> Spin it off. Separate Awful company. name as well. <laughs> Dude, you're not in America. You don't uh, know. Maybe <laughs> maybe that name slaps in Colorado. Is that even a good... Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> but um, if when we were doing research for Chipotle, main competitors, Guzman not listed as one. Tell me if you've heard any of these other fast casual Mexican franchises over in the US mm-hmm. or chains over in the US. Okay. Quadoba Mexican Eats, nah. Moe's Southwest Grill, nah. Baja Fresh Mexican Grill, no. Rubio's Coastal Grill. No. Yeah. So like Chipotle owns the Mexican category. Taco Bell. Yeah. Is that even Mexican? <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. That's what yeah, it is. It's cheap. That's oh. what it is. But like the competition is with all of these other non-Mexican. Fast food. Yeah. yeah. Well, just, yeah. Maccas, Five Guys, In-N-Out Burger. I know my Mac. I know. I know my. I know my US fast food. Oh my god! Uh, KFC, Popeyes, Popeyes, um, KFC. True. Uh, what's the the Christian one that doesn't open on Sundays? Don't know. Uh, we got to say it now. We got to figure this out. Um, uh, the the advertising is like um, cows telling you to eat it. Chick fil A. Chick fil A. Nice. <laughs> you do know your American chains. <laughs> I'm Googling Pizzeria Locale and there's one in New South Wales. No way. Yeah. Should we go? <laughs> yeah, we should check it out. <laughs> where, where it's a Mediterranean. Mediterranean. Wait, are you sure it's the same company? No, it would it'd be completely it's, different. It's probably it's like, just like called uh, Pizzeria It's Locale. like a Burger King thing where someone's yeah, just yeah. taking the name. Yeah, why? Well, yeah, I mean, no one's um, fact-checking Pizzeria Locale. No, no, no. It's like Burger King, how it had to be called Hungry Jack's here because someone got the trademark first. <laughs> I just don't reckon it's that big over we the We should States. open a Chipotle here. <laughs> <laughs> Take the trademark. I don't think it, it would be that big. 
Chipotle? No, Pizzeria Locale. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. A thousand. It's cooking up a thousand. Anyway. A thousand stores? No way, dude. Well, it's saying Chipotle's locale is cooking up growth at at a thousand degrees. I didn't click on the headline. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we are fast turning into dribble. Let's get an expert in here to write this shit. So Chipotle is available on the New York Stock Exchange. The ticker is CMG and you can access the US stock market plus the Australian and New Zealand markets on the Sharesies platform with no investment minimum. The Sharesies platform was awarded a 2022 CanStar Innovation Excellence Award with the judges saying the platform is unique with a significant wow factor as it reduces barriers to entry for new investors. So check out Sharesies, sharesies.com.au. All investing involves risk. This is not a recommendation and you should perform your own research. Promo T's and C's apply. But we are going to take a very quick break and we'll be right back to discuss Chipotle with Emma Henderson from Magellan. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. One, two, three. Bring it back. Hey, it's another delightful day here in Vacation Land. All right, Ren, well, we're back after a pretty loose opening to the episode. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think we needed that break. Take a deep breath. Um. Excited to uh, have an expert in the studio to help us unpack Chipotle in a little bit more detail. And we, uh, we have Emma Henderson, investment analyst at Magellan. Emma, welcome. Thanks for having me. Now, Emma, before we even get to the first question, is it Chipotle or Chipotle? Oh, look, I've heard it pronounced so many different ways. I go with Chipotle. Nice. <laughs> Definitely not Chipotle, though. Not Chipotle. Not Chipotle. <laughs> okay, good. Good to know. Well, let's. we've uh, unpacked a bit about the company, about its history, sort of what it's doing today. Now we really want to put the investment lens on and uh, unpack how we should think about it as an investment. To start with, uh, when you're analysing a company like this, what are the metrics that matter? What are the things you're really looking at? And is there anything that doesn't matter that you might hear about in the media that you think people shouldn't be thinking about that number when they're looking at a company like this? So maybe just to start, we're quite lucky with Chipotle. It's a pretty simple business to analyse. So we're talking about one brand, one geographic market, so the United States, and it does one thing, operates Mexican restaurants. And 
pizza locale. <laughs> and pizza locale, which I can tell you I've spent no percent okay, of my time okay. on because it doesn't matter. You zero so that out largely, in the investment case. Largely one brand. Yeah. But yeah, one market, one thing. Um, but when we are looking at a company, a restaurant company like Chipotle, at the end of the day, this is really a store rollout story. And there are a couple of key metrics or sets of metrics that are really important. Um, so the first sets of metrics that we spend quite a bit of time on when building an investment thesis in this space is, you know, what does the underlying economics of running a burrito restaurant look like? And mm. is that something that's attractive? And then once we get our heads around that, the next thing is all about growth. So how scalable is this concept? And, you know, how fast do you think it kind of can reach that potential? So if I start with, you know, trying to break down a little bit what those economics are of um, every restaurant that Chipotle operates, the first piece of information you're looking for is, you know, how much does it cost to build one of these things? Because, you know, the math's important coming back to that. So Chipotle stores are pretty simple. They don't require a huge kitchen. It's a pretty simple menu. So relative to other concepts out there, it'll cost the company about US $1 million to open one of these things. It sounds like a lot, but relative yeah. to other concepts, that's actually, you know, not too big. The next kind of key metric that you want to know for these kind of businesses is when you open a store, how, you know, how many, how much sales can you bring in? Um, what's the productivity of that unit? The average Chipotle restaurant in the US generates around 2.6 million in annual sales. And that ranks it right up there with some of the biggest QSR quick service restaurants or limited service ones. So, you know, something like a McDonald's will be ahead of it, but it's right up there. Part of that is because the brand is just so well loved. Like you'll have seen, I think there's memes out there about lines out the door of people trying to get into Chipotle restaurants and also the efficiency of their kind of operating model. So the speed that they can churn people through because, you know, the kind of a lot of it's already prepped, you mm. go in, you order, you know, they get a lot of people through the door. Mm. So that's kind of how you get to pretty attractive, what we call average unit volumes or average sales. The next thing that matters in this space is how efficiently you can kind of turn those sales into profits. From the beginning, um, Chipotle's founder, Steve Ells, has always been focused on simplicity. So he never lets the menu get too big. You can order bowls, burritos, you can order tacos, but that's it. They don't want to kind of make it any more complex than that. And then that kind of assembly line process that I spoke about is super efficient from a labour perspective. Um, you don't need that much space from rent. So what that means is that Chipotle has what we call restaurant level margins of 25%. So they wow. can turn 25% of that 2.6 million into cash returns. And again, that is phenomenal in the industry. What what would the comparison be? We So maybe if I use McDonald's yeah, as an example, yeah. so they can actually get more sales through the door, but their restaurant margin and they are, you know, they're one of the best of the best yeah. great operators. They're more at the mid-teens margin. Wow. So, oh, you wow. know, that wow. kind of shows you the gap yeah. and makes it, you know, now we start to understand, hang on, there's something in this burrito business that yeah. makes it an interesting <laughs> place to be. And then just kind of wrapping that all up together. So I said it costs about $1 million. We said 2.6. You can kind of turn that into profits at 25%. You're in a full year of operations. You're getting 60% of that initial investment back. And the, yeah. other, the other metric that, you know, you might hear talked about in this space is, so what's your payback period? Mm. For Chipotle, that's less than two years. Yeah, wow. Super attractive. And it also helps explain, um, I'm not sure if you mentioned this in your intro, but why Chipotle has elected to keep building and operating all of the stores mm. itself, other than, you know, compared to other chains like Macca's or yeah. Domino's that use franchisees, just because the economics 
are so attractive. Why wouldn't you? I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah. We mentioned that they were all company owned. We didn't explain why. And that's why we're really thankful <laughs> that you're here. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the first set of metrics that we look at. And then the second set of metrics that we're focused on is, you know, what's the growth potential from here? So, you know, the key things we're looking for when we're, you know, talking to or looking at restaurant companies is, you know, what do you see the long term store growth potential? You know, then on an annual basis, how many stores can you kind of do each year? So what does that mean for your growth? And then are there any kind of initiatives in place to lift those kind of average unit sales and restaurant margins higher than what they are today? So they're kind of the key metrics that are all, are all about growth. The one I'll just touch on, and sorry if you've already covered it, but over the long term, Chipotle is targeting to reach 7,000 restaurants in North America. Oh, so we're at 3,000 today, but that's, you know, more than double still to go. Wow. To give you an example, um, Taco Bell, so that is actually the largest Mexican chain um, in the US, but it's interesting, I wouldn't really call them direct competitors because Taco Bell is very much kind of fast food, you know, one, two dollar, three dollar kind of value menu, whereas Chipotle is targeting a slightly higher end kind of, you might think like a corporate lunchtime consumer. So same category, but slightly different. But Taco Bell is already at 7,000 restaurants today. They're still growing their business kind of the, the number of stores, two to 3% per annum. So it gives you an idea that, you know, that kind of scale is achievable, but Chipotle is just a lot earlier in its kind of growth life cycle. Wow. wow. Chipotle does trade on a higher multiple than a lot of its peers. So I think as of today, it's around 36 times one year forward PE. And, you know, if I compare that to some of the more mature restaurant listed players, they're more like 20 to 25 times. Um, and what that reflects is the stage that the company's at in that growth life cycle, because there is just so much more growth to come. And this business is also growing pretty fast on a year-on-year -year basis. So they think they can grow their store base at 8 to 10% per annum. They're also doing other things to improve those average sales and margins. They get leverage on corporate costs as you grow, buying back shares. So all in all, we think this business can kind of generate 20% earnings growth for shareholders over the next couple of years. That's some of the background on why it trades where it trades. Wow. What a business. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> it surprises me that they have such an incredibly strong brand given the disaster they had in the food health, the health food, health food, the food health food, safety. Food safety. Food safety is <laughs> the industry food, lingo. Food safety yeah. for a number of years. It's just like phenomenal yeah. that people have just stuck around. Like in other businesses that would yeah. shut you down. Given, yeah, given and I think that's on, been so interesting for everyone to follow um, because it'll come back to, you know, I think we'll talk a little bit later around their competitive advantages and, you know, this had a really strong kind of product that it offered its consumers, it invests really well in its brand and the fact that it could come back from that is, mm, you know, amazing. says yeah. they have something pretty special. Yeah, just burritos. <laughs> well, let's move to the, the bull case. Uh, we're really interested to understand what you see as the competitive advantages for Chipotle and, you know, what, what is it other than just a story of more and more stores that, you know, builds a bull case for you? Yeah. With the bull case for Chipotle, given like this brand's now been around for 30 years, it's got a pretty proven set of products, a pretty proven economic model at the store level. We don't actually really need to believe that they develop a new set of competitive advantages, but what we want to see is them continuing to invest in their brand, in their products, in their stores, because competitive advantages are key in the restaurant industry. It's a super competitive space. It's highly fragmented. It's really entrepreneurial. So new concepts come and go. But we do have a lot of confidence that 
what they've built over 30 years is pretty sustainable. The first thing that it really all comes back to is, you know, what's that value proposition that you give, you know, provide to your customers? Why do they pick Chipotle out of all the other options out there? Um, And I think what it comes down to is they kind of have this unique combination of they offer you food that's at a reasonable price point. It's pretty substantial in volume. Like you get a lot of food for what you're paying for. It's tasty. They have this proposition where they use fresh rather than frozen ingredients. They try and source um, kind of locally and organically. And so when you kind of put that all together and the fact that you can get it in a really convenient, quick way, they just kind of found a formula and a niche in the market that worked. That's not to say that no one else can do that, but they found a spot and they've scaled that. And once you get scale in the restaurant industry, it gives you a lot of other competitive advantages. So, you know, the first thing that comes to mind would be your supply chain. So as you get bigger, you can get better deals, which means that you can kind of keep the best value for money for what you're giving going. The other thing is from a brand awareness point of view. So now at 3000 stores, Chipotle is working with a modest annual marketing and promotional budget of 250 US million. US $250 million. Wow. That lets them do things like advertise at the Super Bowl, which they've done for the past two years. So as you kind of, they found the successful model, they've scaled mm. it, and then it kind of becomes this virtual cycle. Mm. The other area that I think scale really plays into in the restaurant space is your ability to invest in digital and what that means in terms of, you know, making sure your brand stays relevant, that you have great experience for your customers and, um, you know, that that economics kind of keep improving over time. So Chipotle does a lot of really interesting stuff in this space. Um, Their restaurants, like they were so well ahead of digital leading into COVID. They'd already equipped all of their restaurants with... So you might be familiar, there's like a, what we call a front make line at the front of the restaurant. So you go in, you see people, they're all you yeah. know, standing line in line. What they'd done ahead of COVID without the foresight, they'd already set up a separate make line in all of the restaurants, which was purely to fulfil all the digital orders. All right. They've always had digital kind of on the brain. It's part of their DNA. They also pioneered a new store format, which is called a Chipot Lane, which is a a digital-only drive-through. So you don't actually go up and speak to anyone in the drive-through. You put your order in on your phone, but when you drive up, it's like you get given a window and there's no labour involved. So it kind of gives you an idea of, you know, kind of how cutting-edge these guys are in the space. So that's interesting. So they do have drive-through now. They didn't at the beginning, yeah. um, but now, so, you know, I said before, they're opening up a whole bunch of new stores. Most of those new stores now are Chipotle Lanes. Okay. Is that because uh, they've seen Guzman yeah. come to the US with their <laughs> drive-through lanes? Oh, look, I think everyone's a bit arrogant in this space. I think they wouldn't, they would say <laughs> Guzman hasn't even crossed their radar yet. Um, oh, it will, though. Yeah. It will. <laughs> but I think, you know, the US has been a huge drive-through market, yeah. you know, for a long time. But the thing is, drive-through real estate is pretty hard to get. Everyone yeah. wants a drive-through. So again, as you scale and as you kind of prove yourself, you get better deals. Suddenly, you become a tenant of choice, um, and you can kind of bid for some of those prime drive-through um, real estate locations. Yeah. Uh, the one other one I would mention, just on competitive advantages, because we're seeing this more and more in the consumer space, not just restaurants, but. It comes down to kind of loyalty programs. I'm not sure if you've seen other brands talk about it, but Chipotle has a loyalty program called Chipotle Rewards. As of last quarter, that program had 30 million members wow. registered. Oh, so <laughs> staggering, you know, that's almost one in 10 
Americans, it's more than the entire population of Australia. And when you think about competitive advantages over time, if you have people registered in your system, every time they shop with you, you're learning about their behaviour, you're learning about what they like, what they don't like, how frequently they come, you can direct targeted messaging to them. So that's something that I think is sometimes underappreciated as a competitive advantage that comes with scale and digital, because good luck to a small chain, even good luck to Guzman coming in. When you mm. think about what Chipotle is already doing in that space and these advantages, like it does become quite hard to compete. So I think that kind of covers off the competitive advantages. And then the investment case here is basically that Chipotle can sustain that brand appeal and can open 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 more restaurants and scale what's already working for them. And, you know, that's really what's driving the earnings growth here. Wow. Yeah, it's a fascinating story. Let's turn to the other side of the coin. Let's turn to the bear case. Um, what would break that thesis and what would, you know, what are the things that you're most concerned about? Yeah. So Chipotle's, you know, I said before, it has trades on a pretty high price to earnings multiple. And what that means is more than other restaurant concepts, it's priced for high growth. <laughs> so probably on a more like near term view, that, you know, obviously there's lots of fears around recession and everything at the moment. So that I don't think is as important to the longer term case. But if you start seeing those sales per store, you know, come down because of a recession or the margins get weaker because of, you know, disruption going on in the market, that could cause a little bit of share price volatility for any stock that's on, you know, kind of that high multiple. We think Chipotle will probably be relatively economic resilient. Some people will trade down to like a McDonald's, which is cheaper, but there'll also be people that say, oh, hang on, I'm not going to pay $15 for expensive salad if I can get something cheaper that actually feeds me more at a Chipotle. So we don't think this business falls off a cliff, but when expectations are so high, mm. you know, through periods like this, that there can be some volatility to be aware of. What we would be more worried about for the longer term investment case would be if we started to see any evidence that, you know, that kind of 7,000 store growth target was too ambitious. And actually, we're starting to now open stores that aren't opening up with as good a sales yeah, volumes yeah. and as good a margin. So those are the key things we're watching. To be clear, they're opening out new stores that are performing super well today. But that would be something for anything that's got kind of that longer term rollout. You want to make sure that you're not kind of deteriorating the quality of your financials or cannibalising mm. existing stores, etc. So that's what we're, one thing we're watching. The other thing to be aware of when looking at a, um, a restaurant company like Chipotle, which does operate all of the stores directly, unlike the franchisors, it is exposed to, you know, all the costs that you think about in a P&L. So we wouldn't want to see any big adverse challenges in their key costs. So on the food side, it's meats, it's produce, it's packaging. So that's about 30% of sales. And then they also are quite a labour-intensive business. Yeah. So wages, anything to do with that, you know, that's 25% of sales. So, you know, we're watching if they were ever, you know, if they were ever going to drastically lift minimum wages or something like that is something to think about with this, this business. The mitigant there is whether you have, you know, customers that love your brand and probably will accept a little bit of a price increase to cover those costs. So what we want to see is pricing power. Surely they have the margins to wear some of those costs as well. They do, but from an investor's perspective, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, right. If it's already priced, there are expectations. So yeah. it could, they do, they, this business is, this business could, you know, eat a lot more margin and still <laughs> yeah, be pretty yeah, profitable. Yeah. Pun intended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the final thing with, I guess, a company that's growing as fast as this is that they are 
there can be kind of speed bumps to growth that either come out of the blue or are self-inflicted. I'm sure you guys spoke about the food safety, yep. the series of food yep. safety scandals, but hasn't stopped them. <laughs> hasn't stopped. Hasn't stopped them. But it was grim for yeah, a while yeah. there, right? So you know. I think from peak to trough, the share price went from $750 to almost $250, right? So that's an example of where there was a massive resetting of growth expectations by the market when people were worried that this growth story that they'd bought into was starting to unravel. Mm. It is an interesting example, though, of, you know, businesses like this can fall on challenging times and things can kind of come out like like a, this was a disaster, like multiple, multiple food scares across multiple stores. But as investors, I think you take those times to really try and distinguish, like, is this a permanent structural challenge to this business or is this something that could make it really challenging in the near term, but could prove temporary? There were some really smart investors that took big stakes in Chipotle at the trough of that kind of food scandal that believed in the brand, knew, had friends that loved the brand and maybe stayed away for a little bit but thought <laughs> they'd come back. And they really understood that underlying economics and mm. knew that this business was a cash machine. So for people that could kind of try and look through it and know they didn't know exactly when all the customers would come back but they, you know, thought that they would over time, that was a pretty lucrative investment. Yeah. Mm. Now, in 2018, Steve Ells steps down as CEO probably largely because of the health uh, scares, food food safety scares, and he's replaced by the CEO of Taco Bell. Yes. Two years later, Steve Ells leaves the business entirely. We hear time and time again the value of like a founder-owner mentality. Um, he's now completely left the business. How do you think about the business now being run by, you know, professional class and managers rather than the founder being involved? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question. You know, there are a lot of really attractive things around founder-led businesses, but I think what's been clear since he left was that that culture that he has kind of, you know, instilled in this business has carried on and they've obviously picked some pretty good stewards of that mm. culture and Brian Nickel, who's the current CEO, Jack, who's the CFO, has been there since the beginning. Um, so they've got a lot of experience management there. So, you know, there's been nothing that we've seen in the business that suggests that has been, you know, deteriorating. And if you can keep all of that going through COVID, yeah. like if, if something was going to fall apart, you know, yeah. the fact they've got through this, I think is, is pretty impressive. Just on founder-led businesses as well, we've also seen examples though where founders step back and the businesses can't, there's just something that doesn't work without that founder there. And then we see management turnover, the founder has to step back in. So I think Chipotle had grown to the scale and it had this kind of corporate maturity that, you know, we now also hear businesses talk about going from founder-led to founder-inspired. It's actually kind of a healthy evolution for the business because if a business can't operate without its founder, yeah. you know, longer term, that presents some challenges. So mm. I think this has been an example where it seems to have worked. Yeah. Well, uh, fascinating growth story. If we're looking 10 years down the track, what, what do you expect Chipotle to look like? So if we fast forward to 2032, my guess <laughs> is that this company's probably doubled the US store. So I reckon we're now at about 6,000 restaurants in the US. Um, that still leaves some growth. Mm. And I think it's still going to be taking market share. The reason why this business is growing so fast is that it's it's you know it's growing well ahead of the industry. So it's mm. taking share from smaller players because of all those scale advantages, but also taking share 
from other kind of segments. So it's taking share from sandwich shops and burger joints and bringing people in. So we think there's a long runway to go. You know, Mexican food still, like, you know, lots of us love it, but there's still a long runway for it to keep taking share. So in 10 years' time, I still think this business is growing, probably not at the pace that it is today. So we would expect that, you know, that kind of PE multiple is probably normalised a bit as it's gone through, you know, become a more mature concept. I think another thing we could be talking about in 10 years' time is international expansion Mm -hmm. plans. So you probably covered off that they've only really got a handful of stores today. This management team is super methodical in how they do things. They never hit go until they've got a formula right. So I think we're still at the stage where we're trying to make sure that the brand is positioned in the right way, that they've got that economic model working. I don't think they hit, they won't accelerate that until, um, until they've kind of sorted through what they're trying to get to. But again, Taco Bell is another example where they have brought Mexican to international markets and it's worked. So it's not really something we talk about much today. It's not really in the price, but it's kind of upside if they can get that working, that maybe in 10 years time, US store growth has slowed, but we're talking about an international story. The other thing that I think is going to be really interesting to think about in 10 years is do the restaurants themselves look a bit different? One of the digital things that Chipotle is investing in is robotics. Uh So they have a tortilla chip making robot called Chippy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And look, it's really early today. I think it's being piloted in one store and it's not going to move the needle now. But I think what this business is doing and they've got the budget and kind of the foresight to do is think through what are the tasks that human labour does in our restaurants today that we could ultimately replace with a robot or, you know, some kind of system. So... Chippy is the one that's most advanced. They also invested very recently in this system called Hyphen. It's worth a Google, but it kind of looks like it was made for a Chipotle. It's like this big um, auto- like autonomous manufacturing system that if they could get this working, like they could put that in the back of the restaurant. And I think, I don't think it would be able to make burritos because, you know, there's some wrapping and like tricky kind of manual things in there. But a Mexican bowl, it looks like it could almost do that from start to finish. So, look, very early days in this space, um, but things to keep an eye on. That's going to increase the million-dollar capex to build a store. (laughs) The math might have to change a little bit. But improve margins. They'll they'll try it and see if it works. Um, But, yeah, so we'll see. Wow. Who would have thought this so, uh, so much to just a simple burrito? What a fascinating story, fascinating company. No wonder some of the biggest investors in the world hold it in their portfolio. But thank you so much, uh, Emma. It is available on the New York Stock Exchange. The ticker is CMG. Uh, You can grab that on the Sharesies platform, sharesies.com.au to learn more. But Emma, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've really uh, did a better job than Ren and I did uh, (laughs) in the first half of the episode. Yeah, thank you. Um, But a fascinating uh, conversation about Chipotle. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. 
the hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.